Welcome to the Birth Lounge Podcast, an empowering space for expecting and new parents to hear candid conversations with experts, support your mental health, and learn the tips and tricks that thousands of parents have used to craft their ideal birth. We will answer all of your questions, the scary ones and the weird ones, to help calm your fears and feel confident going into your birth. I'm going to help you redefine what birth and motherhood looks like and how to embrace your journey. I've intentionally crafted an amazing list of experts to help you navigate pregnancy, explore your birth options, and plan for postpartum so it can be a time of soaking in your tiny human. We're going to go there on all the hard topics so that you can dive into finding your confidence and freeing yourself from fears around childbirth. With almost 10 years of experience in family education and a master's degree in human development and family studies, I created this podcast as a way to share information so parents can make educated and informed decisions about their care during pregnancy and childbirth. This is a birth community driven by evidence-based information and research in hopes to help you explore your options, understand your rights, and know what choices you have along the way. I'm your host, Hee Hee. Now let's get to the good stuff. Hello. Happy Tuesday, y'all. Thank you so much for hanging out with me. Welcome to another episode of the Birth Lounge Podcast. We are here to hang out and chat about birth and learn about motherhood, explore what the heck our kiddos are doing, and how to navigate life. You know, one of the things we like to navigate here are places in life that not a lot of people navigate. And that is what today's episode is all about. Today we're diving into the pelvic floor. This is a group of muscles that sits in your pelvis. It's responsible for holding up everything, right? So your baby during pregnancy, but outside of pregnancy, it's in charge of holding up all of your organs and your bladder and your rectum and all of that into place. If, if your pelvic floor is weak, it can lead to all sorts of problems like incontinence and pain. But if your pelvic floor is too tight, it can lead to problems as well. Today, I have one of my favorite guests, Melissa DeSauls, and she is the founder of Mommy Berries. You can find her at Mommy Berries on Instagram. And you guys, I've taken her courses. I have followed her for years. I love, 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 love Melissa. She is so incredibly smart, and she's able to explain very complex concepts like the pelvic floor, like all the muscles and the tendons and how they work together in very simple ways where people like you and I who don't have specialties in pelvic floor can understand and can use this information and put action behind it and actually make a difference in our life. So I'm, I'm going to be done rambling because I'm super excited to have Melissa on. So let's dive in right now. Today, Melissa DeSauz is joining me, and she's a pelvic health physical therapist in British Columbia, Canada. Her practice involves treating primarily pregnant and postpartum women who commonly experience leaking, painful sex, prolapse, diastasis recti, tailbone pain, and core weakness. She speaks candidly about all of these postpartum challenges over on her Instagram. You can find her at Mommy Berries Health. 
she really dives into all these issues and everything else relevant in the women's health world. I'm really, really excited to dive in with Melissa today because we've not ever really, really taken a look at what can we be doing in the postpartum to make sure that our bodies are healing in the proper way to prepare for a pain not filled with chronic health or to prepare yourself for another baby. So you kind of want to think about you know, the Girl Scout rule, right? You want to put things back like how you found them, or maybe that's just an old Southern tradition. Maybe that's just polite manners. I don't know what that is, but it was always something that I grew up with. And you want to do the same thing with your body. Like you want to put things back where you found them pre-baby or in better condition. And so Melissa and I are going to dive into exactly how you can do that. Melissa, welcome to the show. Thank you. And I honestly, that makes me so happy that that's what you think of when you think of my name is that I'm passionate about this. So that's, I like that you said that. Thank you. Made my day. You are very, very welcome. I think our listeners are going to walk away with so much knowledge from this episode. And honestly, that's the goal. Okay. So before we dive too much into, um, you know, healing ourselves, Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Who are we talking to today? Yeah. So if you would have told me, well, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a physical therapist. The reason I stumble on that is because in Canada, we refer to ourselves as physiotherapists or physios, but they're the same profession. So you might hear me use that term interchangeably. Um, And I'll try not to, but um, if you would have told me when I was in school that this was the area I was going to work in, I would have laughed at you. There was no way that I was going to you know, work with, um, you know, vaginas and rectums. But I, like a lot of um, professionals that work in the same area as myself, it's my own was my own experience with pregnancy and postpartum, that, you know, blew my doors off, I couldn't believe um, the changes that my body went through. And then the fact that there was just nothing. (laughs) And so when I started, I vaguely remembered the couple lectures that we talked about in school. And I started getting some of my own help. And I was blown away by how it changed my life and helped me get back to what I loved. I'm a really active person. And um, it wasn't okay for me to just stop doing what what I wanted to. And so now I have two kids. I have an almost six-year-old and I have an almost three-year-old. The oldest one, a girl, the youngest one, a boy. And yeah, we live up in, in Western Canada in yeah, really beautiful part of the country. That is amazing. And I want to say me too. If anyone had ever told me that I would be working with birth and I don't know, advocacy was kind of always in my path, but yeah, vaginas and like healing people and like helping. No, this just was never in my path. So me too, me too. And listeners, episode eight is all about my journey into creating TBH and uh, my path up until birth work and how that prepared me for this. So if you want to hear that, check that episode out. 
Okay, Melissa. So let's start with the most basic of things. Can you explain what happens to our pelvic floor during pregnancy and birth, therefore setting the stage of why we need postpartum pelvic floor care? Sure. I, uh, it's too bad we can't kind of like show each other things and I don't have a model with me, but I always tell people to picture your pelvis is a big um, like bowl and the pelvic floor muscles sit at the bottom of that bowl, making up the bottom of the bowl. And based on where that bowl sits, you have to picture that it doesn't make sense for that to be um, a rigid group of muscles like it needs to be very bouncy because it shock absorbs down there right every time we walk or sneeze or cough it needs to move right and one of the things that people don't understand is that babies come out of the pelvic floor there's holes in the pelvic floor that make up the opening of our anus and our vagina and where we pee out of and the baby comes out of that hole that makes up your vagina and the muscles have to stretch big time for baby to come out and so, you know, I don't think there's enough attention. I mean, you hear all the time, do your Kegels when you're pregnant, but all the Kegel does is tighten that, those group, that group of muscles or tighten that hole that baby has to come out of. So yes, it's important to be strong in those muscles, but do you know how to open those muscles? Cause that's open and relax them. It's really important. And unfortunately, that message isn't really there yet, that we should spend some time learning how to open and, and relax those muscles. But you see all the time, postpartum, women picture that after baby comes out, that those muscles are flapping in the wind, I say, like they picture that everything's out there and, and loosey-goosey. But you see all the time that those muscles have been through an extreme stretch. And then after they're just kind of in, in protection mode, like leave me alone. And they become very um, non-bouncy, right? I always use the, the analogy of the trampoline. And I say, at the end of the day, you want your trampoline to be able to your pelvic floor trampoline to be able to bounce. And really commonly after babies, the pelvic floor doesn't bounce very well. So it leads to issues for that reason. You make so many good points. I love that you um, have a visual of a bowl. I always describe it as a hammock and exactly for the reason that you do, that there needs to be things that pass through it. Oh my gosh, I love it so much. And yeah, to the bounce piece of that, you want it to be able to absorb shock, like coughs and sneezes, right? Um, okay. So let's, let's dive down Kegel road. People know, um, that I am not on board for Kegels during pregnancy, right? They, I'm pretty anti-camp. Um, you just made the point of not doing them. So what do you suggest, um, people do instead of Kegels? Well, I would say that the information used to be Kegel, 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 right? And so then I think that we've, you know, made the, we've made the connection that doing Kegels and tightening doesn't make sense. So I think then it kind of went to the polar opposite end of the spectrum and, and people started saying, no Kegels, don't do any Kegels. Um, I love to be able to assess people because I feel like I can give a little bit more individualized information because the thing is sometimes there are people that are really good at tightening their pelvic floor muscles 
and really good at relaxing them. And if that's the case, I say, do it all. I mean, it's, it's just like your arm. Ideally, we want your arm to be able to bend all the way and straighten all the way. If you, and this would be the Kegel, this would be the relax. Ideally, I want you to know how to do all of it. If you're super tight, and you don't know how to do this or how to do the relax, then obviously I would spend way more focus on that. It would maybe be a little bit of a Kegel in order to get a lot of relaxation. Um, But there are some people that are really good at all of it. And I say, keep doing it. I mean, I think because they're both beneficial, you need all of it. So it kind of depends on what you're lacking is what I often say. And then I I noticed though, clinically, when I feel people's pelvic floor during pregnancy, I feel there tends to be more tension in the pelvic floor. I think partly because there's a lot of extra weight going through that pelvic floor and it's sitting under there saying, oh my gosh, I got to hold everything up, right? So it, it reflexively tightens up to do that. Plus all the laxity in our pelvis that is starting to allow for movement, that also makes the pelvic floor want to tense up a bit. So I often see, you know, towards the end of pregnancy, women not able to relax as well because their pelvic floor is so on. So I often say towards the end of pregnancy, you know what, cut down on any tightening and way more focus on the relaxing. But to be perfectly honest, I think I've given you a bit of a gray answer. It depends on the person. (laughs) And you're right, though, if for some reason I'm not able to assess them, I would say err on the side of caution and spend way more time on the relaxing. For sure. I think um, for me, I like to focus. So that's awesome physical um, advice. And for me, the mindset piece comes to mind of like meditation and visualization can help with that. So cool. That was a lot of information. I hope you guys are taking notes. I mean, is she not just a fountain of yes? Okay. Yes, please. So another common question, when should I start pelvic floor PT postpartum? Well, in an ideal world, I know this isn't exactly your question, but I always, when people say you, you know, they often ask me during pregnancy and if they can, I say, please come in during pregnancy. Cause there's so much that we can, um, address preventatively. So, you know, so that they feel what it feels like to do a proper Kegel. They feel what it feels like to do a proper relaxation and they know what the other muscles that work with the pelvic floor, like their core muscles feel like, and they, you know, we can talk about diastasis and delivering the baby. And so that's best case scenario. And, and, and then they, they come in afterwards. I usually say whenever you feel ready, because I think a lot of women wait until their care provider, their doctor, um, or their midwife discharges them. They wait that for that six weeks until they come in and they're surprised to find out that no one even assesses them at that six week mark. And there was that whole six weeks where there's some very basic things that I, I feel that they should be doing simple things like just taking note of how you're standing or getting a little bit of movement in your pelvic floor. So I tell them to come in as soon as they're ready. Do I do an internal exam usually in the first six or eight weeks? No, because it's a time of healing. And so I'm not necessarily going to go in there, but if they wanted me to, or if I felt like I needed to assess something, I would. So I usually tell them whenever they feel ready, but never is too late. People say, is it too late if I come in two years postpartum? No. I mean, whenever you feel ready, there's so much that can be done in the early, in the early healing phase. 
Okay, so what does a typical first appointment look like? Because I'm sure there's a lot of fear around, you know, what they can expect. So what does that typically look like? Well, it depends. So in, I'm going to talk about both um, pregnancy and postpartum, if that's okay. In, in pregnancy, I, I do a lot of explaining. Every, every physical therapist is different. I'm a huge explainer because I want people to understand their body. It takes a lot of fear away, I find. And um, I just, I find it's, it's powerful for them, if you will, if, if, if I can talk through what's about to happen. And so it's less scary after. That's why I'm such a huge fan of seeing people during pregnancy. But, but I explain a lot of the session. It takes an hour the first time. I do do an internal exam if they're okay with it. And I tell them what their pelvic floor muscles feel like, what it feels like to do a Kegel properly, what maybe they're not recruiting well, and then how to relax. And I send them home with that being their homework. Even if they come in postpartum, that's where I start. So I explain everything, you know, is there some prolapse? What does that feel like? What do the muscles in your pelvic floor feel like? Um, what's going on with your diastasis, your abdominal separation and explain it. And, um, again, give them things to work on. I give a lot of homework too, so that they always have something to work on. So yes, it does involve an internal exam where we go usually in the vaginal opening. Um, obviously, we can go in the in the anus as well, but I never lead off with that because no one's excited for that. Um, but yes, it involves that as part of the assessment, unless for obvious reasons, if some people don't want to, then we don't push that. Right. So it's quite individualized to the care that they're expecting. And you have these conversations before you have an internal exam? Absolutely. I always explain. I, I explain that I'm going to put a glove on. I'm going to use a lubricant. Um, I say I'm not going to, I don't use a speculum. I don't use stirrups. And I go in and I, I explain to them first what the anatomy looks like and what it'll feel like when I go in and I tell them I'm not doing it fast and I am going to talk you through everything. I say the first thing I take note of when I go in is I'm feeling, because remember I use the analogy of the trampoline and my finger is going right into the middle of the trampoline. And so I explain to them that I'm feeling for how tense it feels. Does it feel like one side is more tense than the other? Does it feel like the back is more tense than the front? Um, yeah, just generally how tight the springs feel type of thing. And then I talk to them about, does it feel like they have a little bit of prolapse? Where is it? And what might they be feeling and what signs to watch out for? Um, and yeah, just generally what the movement of the, of their pelvic floor feels like. And I give them all sorts of crazy cues to maybe get the front working better or get the left side working better and how, what different positions to do it in. Yeah. And so I find that a lot of people come in extremely nervous because nobody wants an internal exam, but I would, I'm willing to bet that pretty well everyone that leaves, I feel, I can just see a bit of a weight lift off their shoulders. Cause they're like, thank you for taking the time to explain those, some of those weird things that I've been explaining. Like, for example, I'll go in and they'll say, that's the pain I feel like when I'm having sex. And I'll explain, that's just a muscle like that right there is a muscle that you feel that has more tension on it than the other side or yeah or that is hitting the end of your cervix and that's why it hurts when you're in this position you know and so I think sometimes when they just understand it takes so much weight off their shoulders 
That's amazing. Yeah, of course. I mean, it's kind of like a trade-off, right? They have to have a vaginal exam, but the trade-off of what they get for that is understanding and the education is kind of invaluable, right? Once you understand, A, what's happening and what that feels like, you can use that for the rest of your life. Absolutely. I feel like that's the most, I feel like that's the thing that they get the the most benefit out of is just understanding because these symptoms are scary and you're not used to talking about them. And so to be able to bring it up, I find to someone that, that doesn't laugh or that doesn't say, Oh my gosh, that's embarrassing. But instead says, this is why you're having it. And this is what you can do about it. Right. That is amazing. Oh, I love it. And it puts, it just puts so much power in their hands, right? Because they know what's going on where when you have no idea, but your experience in pain, you're quite at the hands of whoever, right? The internet. Seriously. Oh yeah, truly. Okay. So let's talk about, um, a normal postpartum healing. We are doing a lot of talking about like bad stuff. What can we expect? So I guess let's stay away from normal because what's normal, what is expected postpartum healing? Well, I feel like that's such a big question. I'll do my best to answer it as as succinctly as I can. Well, it is perfectly normal. Obviously, there's a difference in whether you have a vaginal delivery or a C-section. I think I don't want to say, I mean, both can very well experience similar things, but both can experience different things. After a C-section delivery, it's very normal to feel sore and weak through your abdomen, to feel even tension down in your pelvic floor. I think a lot of women after a C-section are surprised to feel that they still feel vaginal heaviness or they still have a hard time pooping or peeing, even though nothing came out of there. Um, it's normal to feel sore and, and weak and that you have zero core, zero connection to your body. Um, you should start to feel better and better as time goes. And um, if you're not, that's definitely something to bring up to a care provider. The um, vaginal delivery women, again, um, normal to feel very sore down there and to feel unsupported. A lot of women feel their organs feel unsupported or they're leaking. They don't have as well, uh, um, their control of their bladder isn't as, as ideal it hurts to poop, all of that stuff, they should feel that it gets better over time. The problem is that um, sometimes you need to give those muscles a little bit of TLC. And I'm willing to bet that most people haven't been given any strategies. Like I just even watched you now cough. And it made me think like how many postpartum women, like you have to cough or sneeze or laugh and they have no strategies to help deal with all those feelings of pain and pressure and right so it's scary because I think oh my gosh I am having this pain and yes it's normal but what are some things that I could actually do about it so six weeks is kind of the magic window that we give for healing that's a that's um tissue healing like fractures or tissues take six weeks at least to heal so I would use that as a time to feel like you need some healing and rest But the unfortunate thing is most moms can't take total rest for six weeks, right? You need to be able to do things around the house, deal with your baby. Maybe you have older kids. And so that gets harder. It's harder to rest when you have so many things that you need to do. 
Does that answer your question? I mean, I, I feel like it's such a big question. Of course it does. And I love how you put at least at the end of your sentence, because I really do truly believe that there are women out there that cannot heal in six weeks and they need, they need more, you know? And I also want to point out that if you're out there listening, thinking, yeah, sure. My vagina is healed, but my mind is, you know, really not in a good place. That that's fine. That's actually okay. You are not alone in that. There's so many women who have physically healed and, you know, mentally they're just not there or they hold a lot of trauma. Um, those two can be connected, but they, it doesn't mean that they heal together. Well, and I, I love that there's so much more attention on postpartum mental health lately. However, I feel like obviously those women are coming in, usually they're coming to see me to help them deal with the physical aspects or they're coming to see any pelvic health physical therapist for the physical aspects, but as if those don't go hand in hand, right? And you look at, like I hear they, a lot of them say the same things over and over again. I don't know what's going on. There's something bad going on down there. Um, I don't, I haven't done anything because I'm scared. No one's told me what to do. And every time I lift my baby, I feel this pain. Well, what if we changed that, you know, and, and started to give them some more strategies or some more awareness as to, you know, these things are going to happen postpartum and that's normal to feel that, but there are things you can do and there's a certain amount of time that you need to give yourself to. And, and so, yeah, I think I'm hoping eventually there's a little bit more education around that for women so that it's not so scary. Yeah. And that's coming from a Canadian. I'm sure our listeners are thinking like, why are all the pelvic floor specialists like from Canada? It's because you guys are so much ahead of us up there. Um, I feel like it's certainly, you know, catching on here, but I just don't see it as much. I I think we're, to me, it seems like we're pretty well on par with you guys. I don't think that we're that, I don't think that a lot of this for me that I'm talking about is wishful thinking. (laughs) I mean, I wouldn't say that that's part of, um, I, I don't, I wouldn't say that that's part of our healthcare system either. We do not do things proactively. We still do the same thing as you treat things as the problems come up. It's just that more and more people like you are doing podcasts with, do you know, just talking about this stuff. And this is where people are getting their information and, they're coming to see us because they've heard it from someone like you, not necessarily from their care provider. Having said that, I'm not sure if it's the same with you guys in our community, the midwives and doulas are very much, they're very much a group of progressive women who are starting to be a little bit more holistic in their thinking and a little bit more preventative. And so I feel that's where the change is coming right now. Cool. I agree with that. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, I just feel like all of you have such great information and it's where I also learn my information. So when I use it here, it just seems, it seems like people don't have access to it. So I don't know. I, I appreciate that I'm able to learn from you guys. Um, and yeah, our midwives around here are, they're amazing. They are very proactive and they have, um, good connections to pelvic floor therapists in the, the area. So it's helpful. Yeah. Women are certainly, they like have access to it, right? They're certainly being supported in that field. 
So I wanted to talk about some of the road bumps that may pop up along the way in postpartum, and you had mentioned some of them. Um, I want to kind of go through them, and could you tell us what it is, what causes it, and what you can expect you should do about it, whether that's like heat and ice all the way to like you can expect a few months of physical therapy, PFPT. Yeah? Cool. Okay. So let's start with leaky bladder. I think a lot of people have questions of like, when should this start slash stop? Um, cause postpartum is all about like things kind of flushing out of you. Right. So what are the, the to knows about leaky bladder? So I'm such an analogies person. I like to give visuals. So you have to picture this as I talk about it. Remember how I said that the pelvic floor is a bowl, right? The bladder sits um, in that bowl. And if you picture me blowing up a balloon to represent the bladder, it doesn't have a knot on it. My finger is holding the bottom of the balloon and my finger is acting like the knot. See what I mean? Do you picture that? Um, my knot or my fingers are, are the pelvic floor. So that's the pelvic floor's role is to kind of keep a close on the balloon. Okay. So obviously the knot or the pelvic floor is not working well if there's pee getting out. And what a lot of women assume is that their pelvic floor is weak or loose if they're leaking. Correct. But I'll tell you that, well, obviously that can be part of the issue. It's like kind of like the pelvic floor is not coming on enough. It's not responsive enough to, to make that knot on the balloon. But I say, see very commonly postpartum is that women have too much tension in their pelvic floor because of essentially trauma to that group of muscles. And the pelvic floor starts to work harder than it needs to. It's tense because it's scared and no muscle is meant to be tight all the time. And so sometimes what happens is that it's too tired. So all of a sudden when you cough or sneeze or jump, that pelvic floor is saying, you know what, I've been working way too hard for you all day. So now that you put something else on me, I'm just going to have to cheat a bit. I'm going to leak a little bit. Right. Or maybe their pelvic floor is not coming on enough at the front where the bladder needs to be supported. So there's different things that are that are at play there. It's not the same for everybody, but Kegels, again, are not the only answer for that one because if you're holding too much tension in there, your Kegels could make it worse. So that's kind of, I would say that's the biggest thing with, with leaking. And a lot of women notice it, like I said, coughing, sneezing, or when they get back to jumping exercises, that's a pretty good, pretty good sign that um, your pelvic floor needs a bit of attention. So what would you do? You would begin to focus on relaxing that area, relaxing. So Basically I, I always say your trampoline needs to know how to tighten and it needs to know how to relax. And so I make sure like no matter whether you're on the loosey goosey side or the too much tension side, everybody needs both. So everybody needs to be able to do all of it. So I'm a big fan of postpartum learning how to tighten your pelvic floor properly or how to kegel properly and learning how to relax it properly, not only for prevention, but um, for people that are having problems, that's where I often start with them. And yes, so they're doing those exercises. They are learning how different postures will affect that. They're learning um, different positions to relax it, different positions to tighten it more. 
Um, but then also too figuring out for them, when are you leaking? What do we need to train specifically? Like if it's just with jumping, well, we need to make your pelvic floor better at absorbing things quickly. Yeah, that makes sense. Absolutely. That makes sense. Okay. Um, so what about prolapse? Prolapse is, um, I put a long story of that on my Instagram page. I would tell people to look at it. It's in the highlight section. Um, because I, it's hard to explain prolapse without seeing, and I show all the organs lined up and I show what happens. Like I often use my visual for the vagina is a roll of toilet paper, an empty roll of toilet paper. So I show how that can be squishy. Like the vagina is not hard, rigid concrete. It is squishy, like a toilet paper roll. And after we have a baby that toilet paper roll is stretched out. Right. And there's so many things at play, not only, you know, maybe the size of your baby or how long you pushed, but, um, you know, genetics and all of that, but you're low on estrogen postpartum and estrogen helps to keep our tissues a little bit more firm. And so when you, when you nurse, when you're breastfeeding, your estrogen's low. And so that plays a role big time. Um, the low estrogen, also just time. Again, we talked about tissue healing and it takes a while for that tissue, that vaginal wall to firm up a little bit more, but the things that we do can make that worse. So for example, if you don't have your pelvic floor at the bottom supporting the organs as well, that can make prolapse worse, but you'd be surprised how much things we do like how we exercise, how we breathe, um, how we lift things, those can all create pressure that go down on the organs and, and make prolapse worse. So those are all the things that we consider. Okay. All right. And what should you expect for, for healing to go see a PFPT or is it something you can do at home? Well, um, I would definitely, if you have, usually people with prolapse will feel either um, their poops feel funny, they're constipated, or their poops don't come out normal anymore. Maybe they have to bear down a lot. Maybe they feel vaginal pressure or heaviness, or that there's a bulge in there, or something's not sitting right, or they can't fully empty their bladder. Those are all things that they could feel. I would definitely suggest um, going to see someone for an individualized assessment. Um, yes, there's things that you can do at home for prevention and to work on it, which maybe we'll talk a little bit closer to the end of the session, I think, but, um, I, you definitely, I would suggest going to see someone. Yes. Amazing. Okay. And so what about tailbone pain? I'm just kind of running down this list. What causes it and what can we do in the immediate? Yeah, tailbone pain sometimes can just be from the changes that come from your posture during pregnancy. You know, we do all sorts of things to make room for the baby. And sometimes people start tucking their bum under a bit, which would pull the pelvic floor muscles tight. There are several pelvic floor muscles that attach to the tailbone and the tailbone's quite bendy, quite movable. And the pelvic floor muscles can have quite a pull. So that would be one thing. The other one is delivering a baby. You see it quite often, um, tailbone pain after delivering a baby. And um, you'll see women, I hear women all the time saying, I've lived with this for years. I just kind of shift on one bum cheek to the other. Um, nothing's getting better, but that, and they've I've gone for an x-ray, but it doesn't show anything. And often what happens is um, I picture the tailbone like a dog's tail, right? And it naturally already curls under a little bit. And if 
you have pelvic floor muscles that are tense on one side or that have kind of been in a bit of a spasm since you've had a, the delivery, it'll pull that tailbone off to the side a little bit and it can be really painful. So what we do there is um, teach you how to sit so that you're even through the pelvic floor muscles. We often go inside and that's where we would often go in through the rectum actually, or through the anus and release those muscles so that there's not so much of a pull on one side and teach you how to relax into the back of that pelvic floor. But yeah, that's a debilitating pain. That's a hard one for new moms, I find, because you are already sitting so much with breastfeeding and yeah. So that's something it's really hard to treat that from the outside. I'll be honest. There's people that they, I have tried going to the chiropractor. I've tried seeing a physical therapist. I've tried massage, but the way that the tailbone tucks under, it's often hard to treat from the outside. Yeah. That's really unfortunate, but also really amazing that you can do it because I too know women who have said, I have lived with this for years and I'm thinking, I don't know, honestly, how you do it. How do you live with constant pain in your tailbone Mm -hmm. right you can't sit you it's Mm -hmm. comfortable it's uncomfortable to stand sometimes it's uncomfortable to carry your child like I just don't understand how people do it um yeah okay go ahead no go ahead I had a counselor come in the other day she was newly back to work after mat leave after her maternity leave And she um, said, she said, I sit so much for work. And she said, I have not figured it out. But she said, I have this routine now where I sit on my my right side for about 10 minutes. I shift to my left side for about 10 minutes. She said, with my really comfortable clients, I recline way back. And then she said, I look forward to when I feel like I need to engage with them so that I could lean forward like this. And so she's had had quite a routine so that she didn't have to sit on her tailbone. And um, honestly, it took one session for her to feel like it was fine. That's all we really worked one session. So it can be, I'm not saying that they're all that fast, but I find often tailbone pain can get better quickly with the right treatment. Yeah. 100%. I mean, you just have to think about what kind of happens when a baby comes through there. And I love the analogy of, you know, the tailbone being like a dog's tail. Your baby's head does have to come past your tailbone, but then it also has to duck down underneath your pubic bone. So your baby's going through a very specific and tight journey, right? They don't really have that much wiggle room. And so if they're off just a millimeter or a centimeter, unfortunately, you're going to absorb that. But the good news is uh, there's help, right? So you don't have to have this crazy routine that is, oh my goodness, dictating her day. And I tell people to think of like, I find it hard. People find it hard to understand what's going on down there because we don't talk about it. But I often use the analogy of a, you know, think of, I hate to use the the image of baby delivery like a car accident, but it's a sudden trauma to your body down there. You'd never be surprised if you had a car accident and had a whiplash injury and that you had sore neck muscles after that had a hard time letting go. Same thing. Like it's essentially like a quick trauma to the area down there. It is no surprise that those muscles are in a bit of a spasm and everyone feels it differently. Just because you're in a car accident doesn't mean everyone's going to have a whiplash injury, right? It's the same thing with baby delivery you might have a sore tailbone, you might be leaking, you might have a sore back, you might, you know, it doesn't always show up the same in everybody. And you might have a combination of all of that. Absolutely. So don't, you know, yeah. don't think that you can just have one. You 
You're allowed to have multiple. (laughs) You would never think twice to rehab your neck or your shoulders. You'd be like, oh, like I was in a car accident. I'm going to go for my physio or my physical therapy. And duh, of course I would do that. Why? Well, why is it? You know what I mean? I just, I'd always like, why do we not (laughs) do this for postpartum? I don't know why it's not kind of automatic. You know, that is one of my biggest, like, griefs in maternity care that this isn't just like included. Um, it, oh, it hurts my heart because yeah, every other body part, you kind of get it as a prescription, right? You get the, the physical therapy and you get the chiropractic care and some people even get the massages monthly and you get the steroid shots and you get all the things to follow up, but you have a baby and you get literally nothing yeah and and it's unfortunately it's it's an injury to an area of the body we're not used to sharing about and so I think if it was if it was a different area I think it'd be different it's just that people kind of just suffer in silence because who talks about that type of thing do you know what I mean but it's changing yeah absolutely it's changing but it certainly is a double whammy right so it is it's kind of a like oh my gosh should I say something and then when I do say something who do I say it to right people have no idea who to seek help from um which is a lot of what this podcast is all about hence why you're here yeah okay so I wanted to uh give you some questions that actually came from some listeners are you down for that sure Cool. So we had a few people ask about going to see a PFPT, even though they were a C-section birth. So I am pro PFPT, no matter what, I believe that your pelvic floor is impacted because your pelvic floor supported a baby for nine months. Like it did do that. So let's not, let's not discredit your pelvic floor, right? Um, what's your take on it? And what do these, um, you know, cesarean birth parents need to know. So I know I hear that all the time. I, they'll come in and they'll say, I, but I didn't have a baby out my vagina. I said, doesn't matter because you're right. They carried it. Some of them pushed for a long time and it didn't work. So that's why they had a cesarean. But, um, I always show people like, look at where your scar is and, um, look at how, especially when I show them on the model and the pelvic floor muscles come right up around the bladder and literally your incision comes up right above the bladder as well. And so the proximity is really, really close just for that reason. I find like, you know, you, you've been cut down the, down the, Um, side of your or the middle of your abdomen you have some scar tissue going on there and do you think that scar tissue is going to make your pelvic floor feel good or do you think it's going to feel like it's going to tighten up it's going to tighten up because I picture like scar tissue like a big spider web and as soon as you have or that's what fascia to me looks like and as soon as you have scar tissue that whole spider web just kind of like cranks up on itself and it's going to create tension downstairs And, um, so often just from the proximity of the scar, the connections of all of our tissue, everything's connected in the body and the core muscles, the pelvic floor does not work in isolation. It works with our transverse abdominus, which has been essentially cut. Um, it works with all of our other abdominal muscles that have been affected. So just, just because of its neighbors, it's affected. And I find that usually I'm generalizing here, they have very tense pelvic floor muscles. So their trampoline's not very bouncy. We also though do lots of scar work 
and um, with their with their C-section scar. So that's unfortunately when we're called pelvic floor physical therapists, I feel like it, it sounds like that's all we do, but um, we do so much else. We don't just treat the pelvic floor. I would, I would almost say anything related to pregnancy and postpartum is in our wheelhouse. Okay. So what would that look like? What do you mean scar work? Oh, so I always teach women to um, like start moving around some of their abdominal tissue, even right after, like not right on the scar, but I tell them to start working on their abdominal tissue, just mobilizing it a bit. Once the scars healed up, I tell them to start touching their scar and massaging their scar. A lot of women have pain or numbness or pulling feelings down where their scar is. And so I want to address that because it's generally a sign that some of their tissues are almost adhering down there. Sometimes it might affect their bladder control or pain in their bladder or um, damage to nerves that are making their muscles not recruit as well. But yeah, so I teach them to get to start moving their scar um, so that they don't have all of those issues. That's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that. Another resource that I love for um, scar care is Sarah Reardon. She's also known as the Vagina Whisperer on Instagram. She is on episode number 11 of the Tranquility Tribe podcast too. So if you guys want to tune into that, you can listen there. Okay. So another question that we had was what can I do to make, I giggle because this is going to be every single woman who has ever had a baby is going to be like, OMG. Yes. And every woman out there pregnant is going to be like, OMG. Thank you. What can I do to make the first poop easier after birth? Oh, I just posted about this the other day on Instagram, actually. Um, I, um, well, that's partly why I like to see them during pregnancy is because I can teach them what it feels like to move their pelvic floor because you poop out your pelvic floor too. (laughs) You have a baby out your vaginal opening, but you poop out of your anus and the holes are right beside one another. At the end of the day, your pelvic floor needs to open for both of them. So that's why I like to teach like, this is what it feels like to open your pelvic floor when you push your baby out. And just so you know, after everything that the pelvic floor is going through with a delivery, even C-section, your pelvic floor is not going to want to open after it's in protection mode. It's, it's, it's going to be scared that another baby's coming out. (laughs) So when you sit down on the toilet, it, you're going to have apprehension and maybe from pain meds or not drinking enough, you're going to maybe be on the constipated side. So I teach women, um, when you sit down, this would be the position that is best to open your pelvic floor, open your rectum. I tell them to sit. So their sit bones are going straight down. So they're not kind of sitting slouchy, but their sit bones are going straight down. And then I teach them what it feels like to open their anus and open their sit bones so that their pelvic floor muscles let go. And then I say, let it come out. Don't push it out. I say to um, maybe use a little bit of an abdominal, like put pressure on the abdomen with a pillow or with your arms. Sometimes I say to put your finger down on this, the tissue between your vaginal opening and your anal opening and just support your perineum because that'll help to give um, a better opening for the poo to come out. Yeah. And as soon as you have the urge to go, and often I, I, our pelvic floor releases better when we inhale. So I often teach them to breathe on the toilet. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about the traditional way that um, people are often taught to, or told during birth to push out your baby, like you're taking a poop. 
What are your thoughts on that? Well, uh, really soon in the next week or so, I'm actually putting out a bunch of free content that is to prepare your pelvic floor to push out a baby. And so I feel like that might help too. Maybe you can include that somehow in your show notes. But um, I would say, yes, a lot of people are taught to um, push out a poop. And the reason is I don't mind that cue because it, most people don't know how to push out their vagina. Like, what do we push out our vagina ever? Nothing. Do you know what I mean? Like we push things out of our anus because we poop every day usually. So I find sometimes that is a helpful cue, but generally what I teach is I teach them to know what it feels like to open their pelvic floor. And then I say, when it is time to push, you're going to think about opening down there. I teach them to breathe through it. So I say to exhale, and think of using your abdominals to push down, to generate pressure down through the feeling of an open pelvic floor. Cause I would say most pe- most women describe to me after they said, Melissa, like I had no clue what was going on. I just felt this intense urge to poop. Like a lot of women feel rectal pressure when they're going to deliver, but they're terrified to poop. They don't want anyone to see them poop on the delivery table. So they hold it in, right? Thinking, well, it's not supposed to come out my anus. It's supposed to come out my vagina. But I say, no, open everything down there. Think of opening your anus, open your vagina, blossom the anus, blossom the flower. You also have to keep in mind that anything that is in your anal cavity needs to come out because baby needs that space. So the more that you hold it, you're only holding up labor because I can promise you baby's going to win. Baby will win. So don't allow the resistance, like take away the resistance. Yeah. For sure. Absolutely. All right. And the last question that we got from listeners is my youngest child is 10 years old. Is it too late for me to go to PFPT? Never. I saw a bunch of people that were um, 70 and 80 the other day and um, never too late. So no, I I mean, that's the short answer, but um, a lot of women actually notice that you know, they were kind of like, you know what, I had some issues ever since I had my baby, but now that my kids are 30 is when it's really showing up. Menopause is another time where our body goes through a huge shift in hormones and um, estrogen again starts to drop. And a lot of women notice that they're leaking or their prolapse feels worse during menopause because again, their tissues get a little bit more thin and not supported and that's when it shows up. And so I'm still starting with them then. So, you know, and we work on the same things, but whenever you're ready, whenever you feel like you can get yourself in, it's never too late for sure. Yeah. I love it. Can you feel the passion, people? I love it so much. All right, Melissa, you have an awesome online program. Tell us about that. Who is it intended for and how do they get their hands on it? So I basically, um, I definitely take the, my my favorite spin is the proactive spin. I'm all about let's let's educate and treat things before they come so that we're not always putting a band-aid on everything. And so I'm finding more and more people come in during pregnancy or postpartum that are wanting to be proactive. And I love that. And I feel that, you know, there's a lot of women coming in during pregnancy to learn about their pelvic floor, learn what they can do. But I was finding that they were always asking the same question. What do I do right after? Like, what do I do right after I have a baby? What things do I need to know? 
But the unfortunate thing is most women do not make it in to see a pelvic floor physical therapist until often like weeks or months after, because the reality is, is you're swamped with everything going on at home, right? And you're at the bottom of your list. And there's so many things that, um, I want them to know right before. So I made an online program so that people could work through things like they could learn about it maybe during pregnancy, but it's safe to start literally the day after having your baby because it's not hard exercise. They literally learn how to stand. There's so many variations of postpartum posture that are not good for leaking, not good for diastasis healing, not good for leaking or sorry, prolapse. So I just, it's kind of like, this is how I want you to start standing. This is how you can start moving your pelvic floor. Not crazy right after, but this is what it feels like to tighten. This is what it feels like to relax. Let's get some blood flow down there. Um, these are some common stretches postpartum women feel good in and every week they have three new very basic exercises that just generally get their pelvic floor working better for them as a reflex okay and then every week they get about a three minute video teaching them a little bit about their pelvic floor or their core why they're leaking you know all sorts of information that helps them understand and then the most valuable part I think people are finding is that the you know, when you're in the, doing the program, there's a private Facebook community where all the women from like across the globe that are doing it are um, talking about their issues and they're problem solving together. And I love that because they aren't the, the number one thing that I love about it is that they're figuring it out themselves because they understand their body. And, and, um, they're not relying on me to fix them. I'm, I'm obviously there to give tips and suggestions and help them, but they're like, I feel this when I'm picking up my kid, I tried this and it worked better. Awesome. Like to me, that's kind of what I'm looking for. So basically it's a program that I feel all postpartum women should do after because it's basic education, basic tips that you should know. Does it replace seeing someone in person? No, it's, it's kind of as an adjunct to seeing someone. Yeah. And it's a great way to prep yourself. So you talked about starting it in, you know, pregnancy, prenatally, so that you know what's going on. I'm all for, you know, team, team prep, prep, prep. And I made it with the postpartum woman in mind, but most of the women going through it are saying, oh man, I wish I would have started this when I was pregnant so that I knew what was coming after. So yeah, it's been getting great reviews. And so um, obviously it's not going to fix everybody's symptoms, but they're learning so much and, and a lot of them are sharing their successes. So yeah. That's amazing. And since it's such a a newer topic, right? It's just now kind of getting the eyes that it deserves. We really need these people that can say like, hey, this was my experience and this worked for me so that that education and that information is out there because the truth is the research, unfortunately, just isn't there yet. Listeners, you can get 10% off of the online course um, using the code HEHE. I'll also put that in our show notes along with all of the links so that you can get your hands on that amazing information. Melissa, otherwise, where can people connect with you? Well, I actually yak about the pelvic floor and pregnancy and postpartum all the time on um, 
social media, if this was something else, if you would have told me even a year ago that I would even have an Instagram account, I would have laughed at you because, um, that was never my jam before, but I feel like that's the way you tell people about things and I'm not shy talking about it. So I'm on Instagram at mommy berries health and you can message me through there. I'm on Facebook too. Um, I also have a website. It's just www.mommyberries.com and you can message me through there. Amazing. Okay, folks, you have no excuse for not knowing your pelvic floor. You have no excuse for not educating yourself beforehand. All right. Happy, happy Tuesday. Melissa, thank you so much for being here. Villagers, I hope that you really did a check-in when we first got started here. If you didn't, now's your time to do that final check-in and see where you need to be by the time we touch base again on Friday. Wow, wow, wow. Wasn't that such a great conversation? Oh my goodness. And let me tell you what, I have taken Melissa's pelvic floor um, class. I've taken her master class and her course all about the pelvic floor. Some of my team members have taken it as well. So not only are we prepared as your doulas, but I can vouch that Melissa is truly one of a kind. She is the best. I have learned so much from Melissa. Um, please enjoy your 10% off with that code of he he and otherwise I cannot wait to see you on Friday. Hey there, before you go, I wanted to tell you who made today's episode possible. Today's episode is brought to you by The Birth Lounge. If you're looking for a step-by-step guide to navigating pregnancy, preparing for birth, and adjusting to life with a tiny human, then I want to invite you to join The Birth Lounge. I created the lounge so that parents just like you could connect from all over the world, explore their birth choices, learn from one another, share in support, and learn to navigate life with a new baby. In the lounge, you have access to weekly calls with me, 10 training modules on how to prepare for childbirth, and a warm community that's really more like an online hug. The birth lounge dives into each and every birth choice that you may encounter so you can go into birth confidently and ready to take control of your labor. You will learn to master your mindset so that you can avoid birth trauma and achieve your ideal birth. This is access to experts to help answer your biggest and scariest questions all about childbirth so that you can go in calm and confident. There are resources in the birth lounge for packing your birth bag, pain relief during labor, the best birth positions, how to effectively push, ways to prepare your body for labor, postpartum healing, feeding your tiny human, introducing a bottle, storing breast milk, and so much more. For more information or to gain access to The Birth Lounge, please visit thebirthlounge.com. I can't wait to see you in the lounge. You deserve a calm and confident birth. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I truly do value this community and I love hanging out with you. If you found today's episode helpful, share it with a friend. Share it with someone who might also find this information helpful. I'd love to hear what you have to say and read your sweet words on iTunes. You can leave us a review and this helps get this information into the hands of parents who might also benefit from hearing it. If you're interested in joining The Birth Lounge, you can go to thebirthlounge.com 
Our blog is linked there. You can find all sorts of free information as well as how to get your access to the birth lounge. You can always hang out with me on Instagram as well at Tranquility by Hehe. Until then, stay educated, stay supported, stay confident. Just a friendly reminder that nothing in this podcast is to be used as medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Please consult your healthcare provider with any questions or concerns you have about your health or anything discussed in this podcast. Side effects may include educated adults, informed decision-making skills, and consensual care. Tranquility by Hehe and the Birth Lounge are not responsible for any ideal births that were created with this podcast. The birth parent deserves all the credit.